millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, what is to us plain and obvious at first is rather confused masses the elements and principles of which become known to us later by analysis. Thus, we must advance from generalities to particulars. For it is a whole that is best known to sense perception, and a generality is a kind of whole, comprehending many things within it, like parts. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Ask Andrew. I trust that you remember perhaps something from the previous episode about what I just read, and now I have to come clean and tell you that was Aristotle's Physics, Book 1, the opening. That was just now the third paragraph, and in the previous episode I read the first and second paragraph. And the reason I'm reading those now is because I learned from David Hicks that when you're teaching, you should always start with the hardest stuff first. That's only part of the reason, though. The other reason is because we're going to be talking about classical Christian, Christian classical education, and we're going to be talking about it in a dynamic way between the high-level principles and ideas and the everyday details and activities. And the way you're going to help me do that is by sending in your questions about Well, either one, but if you've got a question about how does some big lofty idea that Mr. Kern talked about in the last session, how does that relate to, to, uh, you know, to, 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 to this morning, to something that happened today, send me those questions. If I've given you a, an idea that's too general and, and you're not coming up with anything to do, send me questions. And, and I want to bring those those ideas, those, those concepts, I want to bring them down to earth. And my guiding principle in all of this is logos incarnate, word incarnate. You might say my guiding principle in all of this is Jesus, who is the word incarnate. Because what an incarnate word means is an idea, a principle, a truth made flesh. Jesus cannot be reduced to an idea, he cannot, but he is the truth. And he is the truth made flesh. And I believe that in so doing, in taking on flesh himself, he set a pattern for us for how to live and also how to think and how to teach. That's my goal then, is to say, let's think about the word. Let's think about, and I mean word here in the, both in the literal sense of the scripture, I mean it in the metaphorical sense of every idea, and I mean it in the full sense of let's think about Christ himself and how does he relate to, to thought. And so that means we're going to follow that pattern of big ideas made flesh, applied in circumstances. And that's why I read again that passage from Aristotle, because he says something so critical. 
In the previous uh, podcast I read, the natural way of doing this is to start from the things which are more knowable and obvious to us and proceed towards those things which are clear and more knowable by nature. Well, what he seems to be saying there is that there are things that are obvious to us, but they're vague. They're, they're general. In fact, he goes on to say they're very general. But the nature of the thing we're learning about is much more specific, much more detailed. We start out with confused masses. Do you remember the picture I used last time of the dog? I was arguing that we see a dog first, not its parts, not the principles that make it live, not the details and conditions of it. We see the dog. But we don't know the dog very well at all, do we? And Aristotle said here that we come to know those things by what he called analysis, which means looking closely at it, studying it, and literally it means to cut it up. Now, of course, we don't want to cut the dog up literally, but we certainly do want to metaphorically. Well, the dog that I want to look at with you is education, in particular, classical education. To be even more particular still, Christian classical education. I'm hoping that this reflection will give you ideas that you find worth thinking about and that you can bring to life in your schools, classrooms, homeschools, whatever situation you're teaching in. Now, I have to stop beating around the bush, don't I? At this point, I'm going to ask the question, answer the question that I've been asked. Big question, general question, big dog question. What is Christian classical education? Well, let me give you a big dog answer. In other words, a very general answer. This is what I believe Christian classical education is. It is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue. Ah, you say, wow, that was really, really general. How about something I can do at least a little bit with? Well, okay. You want me to analyze it a bit? I'll start cutting it up for you. Let's, let's take it one level more specific. Let's say if, it's, if, if, if education, Christian classical education is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue, it is your part to ask, well, how do I do that? Either that or you'd ask, well, what's wisdom and what's virtue? Well, how do you cultivate wisdom and virtue in a child? I'm going to assume for a moment what I know to be true, which is that you want to do that. I've never, ever in my life, oh, I take it back. Very rarely do I meet a parent that doesn't want to cultivate wisdom and virtue in his or her children. Very rarely. In fact, it might be never. I think every parent wants to, but there are, you know, other values get messed up with it. But they still at least like to cultivate wisdom and virtue. So let me try to answer how we do that. But remember, these are big dog answers. How do we cultivate wisdom and virtue in a child? By nourishing the soul of that child on the true, the good, and the beautiful. My contention is that children have souls or children are souls. The soul is a great mystery. It cannot be measured. You can't cut it out and, and uh, you can't see obvious 
work that it does. It's maybe it's that holy of holies inside that child. I'm inclined to think that that's the heart of the spirit, but maybe the soul has a has a part of it that is the holy of holies inside the child where only God and the child can go. And we don't have access to it. Nonetheless, the child has a soul and that soul is hungry for what? Well, the true, the good, and the beautiful. And if that child does not receive the truth, if that child is lied to continually, if that child is misled, and, and, or, or, or think of this, what if that child wants the truth but is taught in such a way that he can't find it? What if he's taught to fish with a gun or to shoot deer with a fishing rod or to try to get to the stars with a car and then concludes there are no stars. I can't hunt. I can't fish. What a cruel thing that would be. So we can either mislead the child in relation to the truth by convincing him that it can't be reached or by bulldozing him with it. He doesn't need to just hear it. He needs to feed on it. His soul needs the truth. And if he doesn't eat it, he will not be healthy. He also needs the good. He needs goodness. We can break that up into virtues like uh, prudence, kindness, virtue. I'm sorry, uh, courage, wisdom, um, fortitude. We could list out any number of wonderful virtues But if that child doesn't absorb into his soul the virtues, good things, his soul will go go hungry. But I have to insist on this third point too, which might be a little more controversial. He also needs the beautiful. He also needs to be fed on beautiful things. I believe it was von Balthasar, the theologian, who said that, that uh, beauty is like the sister of truth and goodness. And when, when she is, I don't know, sent away from the party, she has a way of draining the life out of it. I forget. That's my way of putting it. I can't remember how Balthasar put it. I think he actually put it cruelly (laughs) I think she has a way of coming back and getting revenge almost like she's heiress in the Greek mythology and there's something to that you see if you don't feed a child's soul on the beautiful you'll starve that child's soul look at the creation is there anywhere that beauty doesn't abide is there anywhere that you can say there's nothing beautiful here. If God makes things so beautifully, ought we not to do the same? So Christian classical education is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue. And how do we, nourish, how do we cultivate wisdom and virtue? By nourishing the child's soul on the true, the good, and the beautiful. I hope this at least gets you started as you think about Christian classical education, started thinking about practical things, because here's the thing. If you're asking, what should I do today? 
but your goal isn't wisdom and virtue, it doesn't matter what you do today. And so I say, may the Lord remember you in his kingdom. And thank you for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.